Hey, I'm Jesse. I hope that your new year is off to an awesome start. Congrats on that new Planet Fitness membership. Stick with it. And while you're sticking with your new resolution, remember, man, a plan to go through the Bible every year is a good thing. I suggest accompanying it with a deep dive. So you read through the Bible every year. I call that your jet ski. And then dive deep with our devotion plan. Call that your scuba diver, okay? So you're jet skiing over the surface of the Bible. You get canon-wide context for whatever you're diving into in depth. And then you also have that parsing through the syllables, digging in deep, sifting through and feasting on everything that's there to savor, all of the, the rich detail. It's hard, man. Sometimes with my, with my jet ski, I want to stop and dive in, right? But instead, I'll leave myself a note, leave myself a mark, right? You can do that online, do that in, when in your calendar, in a journal of some sort to come back to later. Uh, it's hard to resist because I'll get off on a tangent when I'm doing my, my jet ski and I'll, I want to delve into the context of Jeremiah, for example, but I know that right now I'm supposed to focus on 1 Corinthians. So I've got my jet ski that gives me Bible-wide view, and then I've got my, my in-depth view. So speaking of in-depth, let's look at 1 Corinthians. Our sermon was on chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Our curriculum for small groups, if you're not in a group, start one. Okay, go to redemptionwashington.com slash groups and let us know. And Pastor Mike Smith will help you start a group. Our curriculum is in uh, also verse 18 through verse 25. We're going to start our devotions in 1 Corinthians. It feels good to be going back verse by verse through a book again with verse 26. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. The gospel itself was a complete upheaval of the hierarchy. Picture Peter standing before the Sanhedrin and leaving them all baffled with not a word to say in response. Peter was a fisherman, and that meant that he didn't graduate into the elite schools. He didn't qualify to become a protege of a rabbi. He probably flunked out somewhere along Beit Sefer, Beit Midrash, and didn't make it to Beit Talmud where every member of the Sanhedrin had to have passed through. They had to become the protege of a renowned rabbi and then qualify to become rabbis themselves. And then among the rabbis, qualify as scholars in the law. The Talmud itself was this addendum onto the Old Testament that just kept growing and growing and growing. And if you've ever read the Talmud, it's just, it's just fluff and it's just made up rules. Some dude, making something up. Here's another rule for people to follow. Here's another way that people can obey the rules about the Sabbath. Here's the number of steps they can take. And oh, if they have to take more steps, they can leave a little threshold there. And then they can take more steps off that threshold. And just making stuff up. 
and then saddling these people with these burdens. And then every uh, every member of the Sanhedrin had to like, it's sort of the equivalent to the modern PhD culture where you got to publish or perish. You got to write something, you got to put something out there. Oh, I got to add to the Talmud. I gotta, uh, what can I make up to burden people with? And these are the learned men. These are like the most educated men in the whole Hebrew world. And there's Peter. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. The text says they can just look at these guys and they just know that they're not educated men, but they've been with Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, is used by God to just humble the whole Sanhedrin. That's what, that's what this text reminds me of. Taking the foolish in the world to shame the wise. Taking the weak in the world to shame the strong. Taking the insignificant and despised in the world, the ones viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing was viewed as something. Our world does the exact same thing. Our culture does the exact same thing. Wherein people who have clout, people who have influence are viewed as something. But as a Christian, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you are something, you are more than something. You're a child of God. That matters far more than the number of Instagram followers that you have. All right, I've got about as many degrees as I have kids, so I'm not anti-education. But my identity is in Christ and Christ alone. None of the other stuff matters in the end. And the good things that God's done through my life have not necessarily come through my own study and my own work. God uses that. I have to study and show myself as one who has divided the word of truth. I mean, that's my calling. That's my, that's my purpose. But man, I don't view myself as something because of my education. I'm something because I'm a child of God, because I belong to Christ. That matters far more to me than anything else in the world. So don't be intimidated when you hold to a worldview that in the Seattle context is really uncommon. And watch the same trends play out that took place in the original context. In the world of Corinth, the Greek and Hellenistic philosophers of the day were widely renowned, but we don't really know a lot of what they taught now. All right, we have the writings of Plato and Aristotle and Socrates, but those came and died long before these guys. We don't really know much about the philosophies that were at odds with Christianity, but we know Christianity today. And to me, that just proves the ending of the book of Corinth, the, 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 these letters to the church at Corinth, we, we know that the gospel remains while their teachings have long since scattered. The Christians in Corinth were weird. The Christians in Corinth stood out. The Christians in Corinth were holding fast to a gospel that was totally contrary to the worldview of the elites and their culture, both in the synagogue and in the Greek culture that surrounded them. But God chose them. They were viewed as nothing. They were lowly, but they were gods. You are, if you're a Christian, you are gods. You belong to him. Now, replace the teachings of the Sanhedrin with something else. Replace the Greek philosophies with modern-day virtue signaling, modern-day secular humanism. It's just a revolving door of philosophies that have come up against the gospel and fallen, and for millennia have all been forgotten. Do you remember when we studied the book of Acts? This huge crowd of people chanting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Like who worships Artemis today? They were railing against these isolated Christians. And today we studied the gospel and Artemis worship is all but completely disappeared. 
But at the time, the Christians were vastly outnumbered. Does that sound familiar, Seattle Christian? It's not new, all right? Peter faced the Sanhedrin. Paul and Barnabas faced the worshipers of Artemis. The Corinthian church faced a whole Corinthianized culture. That's that word that's been used to describe the debauchery of the city around them. But they were gods. God told Paul in Acts 18, I've got many people in this city. Seattle Christians, you know that God has many people in this city. And you may be surrounded by elite philosophies that are totally contrary to the gospel, but God has chosen you. You may seem foolish to the world, but God will use the gospel to shame the wise. You and I may be outnumbered as Christians in Seattle, may be weak in the world, but God would use the gospel to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and what is even despised. Isn't that so funny? This could have been written yesterday about the gospel in our context. What is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing. That's kind of the world, that's kind of the cultural view of Christianity. To bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. When we get to heaven, not one of us will be able to swagger into the gates. Rather, we will enter with incredible gratitude. You may be viewed as nothing, you may be viewed as insignificant, you may even be despised because you hold fast to the one message that saves lost souls. But you are more than something to God. You are his child. And for millennia, elite worldviews have tried to oppress Christianity, and they've all been forgotten. But you, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life forever. Go share this with somebody today.